0: How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God, and here we are, here we are, another day for another great study, and just realizing again, I didn't change this. We are no longer in Luke chapter 16. We finished that up. So we are starting chapter 17, and we are at verse 1. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And we're going to be picking up where we're left off in the middle of the teaching of Christ here, as he's uh, bringing across many different uh, points for us to think about and to consider. So please make sure you check out the previous study, What About This Day of Wrath, where he, he uh, brings this up. It talks about... Uh, the rich man and Lazarus, and about the reality of the afterlife, the reality of hell, the reality of heaven, and we need to prepare ourselves. And He ends that story, verse 31, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, that's the law and the prophets, if individuals aren't going to pay any attention to the law of God, to the righteousness of God, If they're not going to pay any attention to the teachings of the prophets, then neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Then what's going to make individuals believe in Jesus Christ if they don't even believe in the law and the prophets? So it all goes together as one story. It all goes together as one teaching. It's very important for us to understand this. So uh, make sure you watch the previous videos on this. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, then please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. All right, so good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining in. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. Very important. This is a, feels like it's going to be a five coffee morning for me. You know, and you, you you, you get to bed at not a bad time, and you sleep throughout the night, Pretty well but you wake up in the morning and it's like I don't know why you you feel like you only got like three hours sleep I don't know that's just kind of how I feel right now I'm very low energy this morning it's even kind of semi sunny I don't know just one of those days anyways all right okay so here we are now I did a previous video I hope you'll check it out as well um, on uh if they force you to bow i'm talking about the needle so please make sure you check that one out too that the reason i brought that video up now i know there's you know, there a whole bunch of people that'll be grumbling because i disabled comments and i'll tell you why i'm rambling right here until we can get everybody in that be coming in um now the point the purpose of the video is not to so much as argue, debate about events and things. The point, the purpose of the video that I did on that was to show the the principle that Scripture gives us on the forgiveness, the understanding, the mercy of God. Because so many people are so fearful so fearful about everything that's going on and they're afraid you know what if what if what if what if and they bring up all kinds of hypothetical situations thinking that such a thing as that that's going on is going to condemn them damn them lose their salvation is the mark of the beast or blah 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 blah. what if they force you to take it all that kind of thing look this is what scripture says is it the word of god shows uh, how the lord has mercy grace understanding that there's the pardon of god in this so That's all I wanted to bring it up. Now, the reason I disabled comments, because there were so many people missing the point. And uh, I just, within minutes of me putting up that video, it just got swarmed with comments. Of people missing the point and and arguing and talking about and commenting on other aspects of, of the context that the video is not talking about. I wanted uh, the, all the attention of the video to be on the point that I brought forward, not on what everyone else is trying to say in the comments. So if you got offended because I disabled comments, well, it's my video, so too bad. But uh, but uh, please go back and listen to it again. This time, sit down with your Bible and just listen to what it says. Listen to what, what it's about and uh, and take that into heart and to mind. So again, please. Uh, sorry not sorry i had to disable comments on that so i hope you understand um anyways so with all of that said speaking of offenses that's what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be talking about today in luke chapter 17 verse 1 okay i may have to take a lot of coffee breaks here so i'm sure you don't mind Okay, so Luke chapter 17, verse 1. So he finishes up the story about rich men and Lazarus, and with with Jesus' mic drop, uh, verse 31, about how the law and the prophets go hand in hand with the uh, truth of Jesus Christ. Now, let's just finish up this thought. Now, a lot of people seem to think that the law is no longer applicable. That uh, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament is no longer really applicable to us. that that, That we don't have to pay attention to the law. We don't have to follow the law. Okay, let me clarify something here. Yes, we are no longer under law, we're under grace. But do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Does that mean that the Ten Commandments, for example, the Ten Commandments are no longer applicable to us? Is that what that means? Someone say something. Tell me. Uh, uh, what do you think? Does that mean that the Ten Commandments are no longer applicable? What do you think? Now, what is what is the Ten Commandments all about? What's it for? Well, when we take a look at Galatians, and Galatians chapter 3, it gives us a little bit of a hint. It gives us a little bit of a hint. It it says that the law is our schoolmaster. For what? For sin. Okay, so when we take a look, for example, at the Ten Commandments, um, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, Okay, so the point when we take a look at these things is we see okay, this is what the Lord has said, and that by looking at this, by looking at the law of God, we see what God says is righteousness, and what God says is unrighteousness. So it helps us to understand and discern the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. Now, the law of God, yes, uh, Carla, yes, as it says, the law is written upon our hearts. But what is it? What's it for? For what purpose? To help us as a guide to understand the difference between the holy and the profane. Now there are individuals who say that that uh, we no longer have to look at the law, pay attention to the law, that the Ten Commandments are no longer applicable. Uh, those people are ignorant of Scripture. They don't understand what they're talking about. Now, yes, we are not under the law. Now, what does it mean to be under the law? What does that mean? That the law itself is an entity, it's a thing, it's a judgment, it's a power, it's a condemnation. It's a condemnation. All right, so that being under the law is being under the condemnation of the law. So that when when you're unsaved, you're under the weight, the condemnation of the law. That the law will damn you to hell because that the breaking of the law brings about it a curse. That the law is a curse unto sin. It's a curse unto death. It's a curse unto hell. So to be free from the law means to be free from the condemnation of the law. To be free from the weight, the judgment, the condemnation of the law. So we're under the grace of Christ now. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven because the wages of sin is death. That the law demands a penalty. The law demands death and blood as the penalty for breaking the law. And that we have the death and blood of Jesus Christ upon our hearts, upon our charter. And that frees us from this condemnation of the law of God. That the breaking of the law of God demands death and blood. That's what it says. That's what scripture says. So, does that then mean that the law itself is no longer usable, uh, helpful, no longer something that we are to pay attention to? No, no. Uh, okay, so the law ceases to be a condemnation curse to us, the law ceases to be a condemnation curse. To the Christian, what does the law become? What does the law then become for us? If it's no longer a condemnation judgment to us, it then becomes an instrument, a help, a guide, an instruction, a help meet of sorts. That when we look at the law, We no longer see our condemnation because we're freed from the condemnation. Now when we as believers look at the law, we see one thing. We see the grace of God. We see the Lamb of God, the atonement for our sins. And then we see what the righteousness of God is and that it can help us to understand differences between the holy and the profane that it it helps us to understand the righteousness of God a bit more now we got to be careful with this because this is where the pharisees come in with a sense of where they say see so you see we need to be followers of the law no 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 you're replacing Jesus Christ with law because we're under the grace of God we're no longer like good Jews trying to keep law and commandments that's not us now that it has changed the covenant has changed so now that we are in Christ born again saved bought by the blood of Jesus Christ we're under a new covenant a new co- a new a new commandment a new testament under the grace of Jesus Christ we're no longer followers of law we're followers of Jesus Christ who has completed the law Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He is the fulfillment of all things. Now we look at Jesus Christ. So if you want to understand the righteousness of Jesus Christ more, you would look at all of Scripture, because all of Scripture is the law of God. Not just the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is just one aspect, one tiny little aspect Of the whole law of god the whole law of god the whole commandments of god is the whole scriptures that all goes together the law goes with the prophets and the law and the prophets goes with christ it's all one parcel it's all one thing it's all one fulfillment so to understand jesus christ you got to understand your sin how can you understand your sin by understanding the law how can you understand jesus christ and and what he fulfilled you look at the prophets what they said and you see what he fulfilled and how he fulfilled it it all goes together as one parcel all tied up with a pretty bow the whole thing the law the prophets and christ all goes together you can't have one without the other jesus christ is first so The prophets helps helps us to understand how Jesus came to fulfill the law, fulfill all these things. How how he is the fulfillment, how he is the completion of it, how he is the atonement, how he paid the penalty of it. So we don't follow law, we follow Christ. And when we look at Christ and study Jesus Christ according to the word of God, we see how he completed it and how he fulfilled what the law demanded and how he completed and fulfilled what the prophets prophesied of. So we got to understand the whole thing. So therefore this is what Jesus means. This is what Jesus means when he says if they're not going to listen to the law and the prophets, neither will they be per- be persuaded the one rose from the dead. If they're not going to pay attention, if they're not going to listen to, if they're not going to study and and, uh, and listen to what the law and the prophets say, then they're not going to understand the biblical Christ. How can you understand the biblical Christ if you reject, refuse to listen to the law and the prophets? That's what that means. Okay, That's what verse 31 means. So now, speaking of law, speaking of the prophets, speaking of Jesus Christ, the one who rose from the dead, he then immediately switches gears here and he brings up something else. Now, as we see in scripture, it talks about as in the days of Noah. Now, what does that mean? As in the days of Noah. Well, if you go back in the, into Scripture, Genesis six, seven, eight, nine, it talks about Noah, Noah's flood, and everything that happened. why did God have to bring in the flood? What was the flood for? Well, because fallen angels came down and mated with women. No, that that never happened. That's not a thing. Don't get me going on that again. That's a bunch of nonsense. It's not because fallen angels mated with women and created half-breed demon-human hybrid monster thingies. They were three hundred meters tall, and then and Enoch flew around the sky in a cloud, and that Noah when he was born that 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 he he levitated and shot light beams out of his eyes and. Please. That didn't happen. <laughs> we see in scripture, if Lado tells us why he brought the flood, is because of violence, wickedness, godlessness, that God was not in all their thoughts. It was a full, complete rejection of the Lord to the nth degree. That when you completely reject the Lord, judgment comes. Sodom and Gomorrah, a full rejection of god and everything of righteousness what happened judgment rome babylon Pompeii, nineveh egypt go all down through the scriptures how many other societies how many other cultures cities uh civilizations were utterly destroyed and wiped out now do a study do uh, do a historical study on these places look at the type of people they were. Now uh I should I should rephrase that. I would be careful. Some of the stuff that you may come across uh is not nice. Like for example um if you do research on Pompeii it's not exactly child friendly I would strongly recommend if you're going to do research on some of these ancient cultures that you uh, censor it for little children. Uh, because especially like Pompeii or the Canaanites, the things that they did uh, were very, 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 very immoral. And, uh, very debaucherous. Of, of the of abominations of the of the greatest degree. Uh, so that's why god wiped them out now for example we take a look at the canaanites that when god sent israel into the promised land he told them to wipe them all out The all all of the canaanites why see this is a part that atheists and other people who don't believe the bible people who think that god is a big meanie up there uh, they don't understand and they side with the Canaanites to defend the Canaanites, saying that they were innocent and that, that, that what God did there was just was just mean and, and wasn't fair. Uh okay. I guess you have absolutely no idea what the Canaanites are all about. Um is some of the, the most debaucherous, evil, wicked, satanic stuff that you could ever imagine every every kind of sin under the sun was being uh done by the canaanites on a daily regular basis child sacrifice all forms of witchcraft and abomination daily regularly they they were the most evil wicked satanic individuals that would make the worst people of today look like little boy scouts They were so bad, so wicked, so evil, so immoral, so dark, that God said, wipe them out. That Israel, the Israelites coming into the promised land, Israel was the flood. Like how the the flood was for Noah to to wipe out the, the old world. Israel was the flood of God to wipe out the Canaanites. The fire was the flood. For Sodom and Gomorrah. And that Mount Vesuvius was it? Was the flood that wiped out Pompeii. The, the barbarians were the flood that wiped out Rome. And on and on. That God will bring his judgment, God will br- bring his condemnation down upon a culture, civilization, groups, or whatever that have that have utterly rejected the Lord. Now we see with Nineveh that the Ninevites had done the same thing—utter rejection of God into the most into the greatest forms of wickedness and abomination. Um, things that they did were unbelievable. I don't really want to repeat it, but that's why God sent Jonah to to declare the judgment and condemnation upon the Ninevites because of their sin and rejection of the Lord. And, but we see something else here, that in Scripture it says, God is, uh, God is not willing that any should perish, that God, that God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. The Lord does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. So because of that, he will give them a chance of repentance. He will send his prophets. He will send his missionaries. He will send his evangelists. He will send his preachers to, to warn them as the watchman on the wall, to warn them of the danger that is coming. And he will, he will declare to them what they need to do and how they need to repent. They need to repent because the fire is coming. It's going to rain fire and brimstone on you. He's going he's to destroy you because of your sin. And if you don't repent, this will happen. Nineveh repented. Nineveh repented. But, what do what, what we see happen? If you do a historical search and study on Nineveh, what happened actually, and scripture even talks about it, that when Jonah went to Nineveh, declared to them the judgment of God for their sin, that all of the Ninevites repented. Over 120,000 Ninevites repented before the Lord, believed on the Lord, then turned to the Lord, repented of their sins, and believed on the Lord. They got saved. But as scripture shows, a hundred years later, a hundred years later, Nineveh reverted again, rejected the Lord, a full on uh, going back into their sin and abomination, and the judgment of God came upon them and wiped them out. Now, I have to be careful I'm in Canada, and here in Canada, there are certain things that you actually are not allowed to say. Canada has rejected God, rejected God completely, out of the government, out of the schools, out of society, full on hedonism, paganism, heathenry to the highest degree. highest degree uh, love of all other pagan belief systems but a hate a pure hatred of biblical Christianity now because of that Canada has actually banned as hate speech any form of speaking against certain practices Certain personal activities. You know what I'm talking about. That you're not allowed to speak against certain things or else it's hate speech. Canada has actually labeled certain things from the Bible as hate speech. And that by Canadian law, you're actually not allowed to speak of certain things from the Bible without being labeled as hate speech and charged with criminal charges. I'm not joking. It's already happened. A number of evangelists and preachers across Canada have been arrested and charged for speaking of certain things from the Scriptures Because Canadian law has labeled that as hate speech. That's what I'm talking about. That's the judgment of God. That's what will bring the judgment of God upon you. That's what will condemn a nation. That's where the hand of God will be removed. And we'll start to see uh, judgment, corruption, condemnation upon a nation. Canada does not have free speech. We, We do not have freedom of speech can canada does not have freedom of speech we do not have freedom of religion we do not have freedom of worship that's been gone for a long time luke chapter 17 verse 1. luke chapter 17 verse 1. then said he unto the disciples it is impossible but that offenses will come it is impossible but the offenses will come meaning that there's no way out of it it's going to happen it's impossible for it to not happen is what jesus is saying it's impossible for it to not happen that it's going to come that offenses now what does offenses mean trials tribulations that in the greek i actually have written down here scandalon Scandalon, where we get the word scandalous, that, that, that uh, uh, these moral depravities and troubles, trials, tribulations, these things are going to come down. It's, Im- it's impossible for this to not happen. But woe unto him through whom they come. These troubles and trials, what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about in the end of days. That the law and the prophets and that Christ will be rejected. The law will be rejected depravity will supersede abominations will increase hate of god love of sin love of darkness love of immorality love of everything that god hates love of everything that god calls accursed will will supersede and what do we see happening what do we see happening in our societies we talk about, you know, in the in the uh, national anthems, you know, God keep our land and all this kind of stuff. God doesn't keep our land. God is not in our government. God is not in our nations. It, that whether Canada, United States, anywhere else, it's not a God-fearing nation. There's no such thing upon the earth as a God-fearing nation nowadays. None. None. Prove me wrong. I challenge everything. Any patriot of any nation, prove me wrong on that. Show me how your nation is a God-fearing nation. Show me the Bible, anything biblical, any love of God, in any government, in any society, of any culture, of any society society or civilization. Show me. We see we see godlessness. Fearlessness of sin and depravity. Murdering children by the droves. Loving, loving. Defending, fighting, and loving. Fighting for the right to murder children. To indoctrinate children into all forms of depravity. Kicking God out of the government calling it a crime to promote god in schools tacking up the ten commandments in a school could get you arrested the nations go in an uproar if god is brought up or god is mentioned the societies our societies lose their ever-loving minds if you start preaching the gospel in public You will be arrested you could go out in the street you could preach buddha you could preach muhammad you could preach the 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 satanic bible no one would bat an eye but the moment you go outside and you start preaching christ of scripture you start preaching the law of god the righteousness of god the gospel of the lord god jesus christ literally all hell breaks loose the devils come out, all the pagans come out, everyone loses their minds, Are screaming at you, spitting at you. You know how many evangelist preachers, and teachers, and missionaries have been beaten up, mistreated, attacked, uh, and arrested in Canada and the United States? Offenses will come. Offenses will come. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. These things will happen. Christ will be hated. Christ will be slandered and spit on. The word of God will be rejected to the nth degree. Our governments will become governments of paganism and heathenry and idolatry and every sin that is under the sun. And we wonder what is happening to society. And we wonder why bad things are happening. One, we wonder why pegs, but the plagues and pestilences and famines and everything else are, are, are occurring. We wonder why such depraved individuals are taking over our governments. We wonder why such Unbelievable abominations are being taught to children in the schools. Because there's no fear of God. What happens when there's no fear of God? When there's no fear of the word of God, offenses will come. Sin will increase. Abomination will increase. Moloch will be worshipped again moloch will be worshipped again if you actually go back and take a look at when uh, just a couple years ago when they passed the uh uh what's what's it called again the the uh, new abortion rule uh where now you can have post-birth abortions i still have trouble saying that i i honestly i can't wrap my mind around that i i can't fathom that and that it is something that is celebrated they rejoiced in the streets individuals in the government were praising and jumping and dancing and cheering for the passing of the law for post-birth abortion full-term abortion a full full baby has just been born. You're holding a full-term, fully-birthed baby in your hands, and you can kill it. You know, folks, if that doesn't signify the worship of Moloch, I don't know what does. And you know what they also did? The moment, the moment that that bill was passed. You know what they what they flashed on the Empire State Building? Do you remember? Go look it up. You know what they lit up on the Empire State Building? The moment the bill of her post-birth abortions was passed? The face of Kali. The Hindu god of death. They actually lit up on the side of the Empire State Building, the the demon face of Kali with its tongue hanging out, you know, doing its tongue wag thing. The face of Kali, the god of death. They lit up that face on the Empire State Building the moment they passed the bill for post-birth abortion. And we wonder what is happening to our nations. We that that our nations now do parades full parades of abomination down the street celebrating it. People make it a family thing. They take their children babies and children that they haven't murdered. They take babies and children that they haven't murdered to, to these parades to watch these abominations. We now have four weeks, months, dedicated to these abominations. The love of the hate of God, the love of the hate of God is celebrated. Our schools now have full-on special education curriculums to indoctrinate children into all forms of heathenry, all forms of paganism, all forms of immorality, all forms of immoral activities that I can't even mention. That if I was to mention half of these things, YouTube would censor delete my channel. But you're allowed to do you're allowed publicly to teach and indoctrinate, talk about, practice these things, but for some reason speaking against it online can get you actually censored, banned, and doxxed. That this, this book, is seen as hate, evil, wickedness. By society they say God is the devil and that the devil is God you know People talk about how oh we need to love these people we need to we need to befriend them we need to don't judge don't judge don't speak evil don't judge this stuff don't speak evil of this stuff you know you know sh- you shouldn't be talking like this you, okay you know what to all of to all of you limp wristed yellow bellied weak spine Christians who think that your God is a soy boy then I'm just going to show you what Jesus actually says about all of this kind of abomination I'm going to show you what Jesus the lord god himself what god says about doing these kinds of things about indoctrinating these kids like this about treating society you know what jesus said verse two you have your bible luke chapter 17 verse two that those who perp- who perpetrate Those who perpetrate these kinds of sins and abominations. Those who promote and perpetrate these abominations. Those that teach little children to to behave, identify, do, and do this stuff, and hack off their body parts and all this kind of stuff. You know what Jesus says about those people who promote and perpetrate this kind of sin? You know what he said to do to them? Tie millstones about their necks and throw them in the sea. God said that. Jesus said that. Jesus says it were better for them that a millstone were hanged about their necks and they were cast in the sea than that he they should offend one of these little ones. And then you see so-called, so-called Christians defending abomination. Defending this paganism defending the, these offenses defending participating participating dressing up like as befriending hanging around with them fellowshipping with this sin the same the same the same sin that brought the fire on Sodom and Gomorrah the same sin that brought the flood upon the world with noah the same sin that that, that 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 the lord judged these other nations and destroyed them for the sin that god had to create the lake of fire for the sin that that jesus went to the cross for that people fellowship with, identify with, participate with, defend the sin that crucified your Savior. If, if that isn't the height of offensive slander to God, I don't know what is. That you would fellowship, defend, and promote the sin that crucified your Savior. You say you love Jesus, but in works dishonor him. You know, the Lord says, but those who perpetrate, promote, and defend these kinds of sins that that offend the little ones. And we wonder what is happening to society. We wonder why the churches are literally shutting down. Because the preaching against sin has ceased. Because the vast majority of preachers don't preach against sin anymore. The vast majority of Christians... Don't have a problem with sin anymore. And the vast majority of Christians will shout amen to everything that I'm saying. But then the moment that the sermon is over, they'll turn on their television and and allow the entertainment of said sin into their home. They care more about what's being injected into their children rather than what's being injected into the minds and hearts of their children. That the entertainment is straight full on abomination and accursed of God. And they don't even blink an eye. doesn't make sense. This world is one giant huge confusion clown world. It's a clown world. Everything's upside down. Everything's upside down. offenses have come they have come take a look at your youtube history take a look at your google history take a look at your social media take a look at the people you hang around take a look at the way you talk take a look at the way you dress take a look at what you identify with And of. Take a look at what society has done. They they have labeled good evil and evil good. They've turned the world upside down. They've turned the scriptures upside down. And we wonder why we're being judged. We wonder why bad things are happening. We wonder why the, the plagues and pestilences and famines and troubles and turmoils and all this stuff have have come because we have not cast sin into the sea we have allowed it in our home we've allowed it in our home the lord the lord talks about this that this is what is happening and and that he he gives us a glimpse that christ gives us a glimpse Of what he thinks of it of the harshness of the judgment that he thinks of it you know it doesn't say it in the scriptures it doesn't say it but if i were a betting man i would bet you a million dollars or more if if we could go back in time to when jesus was saying these words I would bet you you could see a flash of fire in his eyes. The judgment of the wrath of God that fire that he cast upon sodom and gomorrah the wrath that he brought upon the world with noah the wrath that he brought upon all other civilizations and cultures the wrath that he brought upon egypt i bet you i would bet you anything that you could see a glimpse of the wrath of god in his eyes when he said this in verse two but then he changes We see something with God. We see he changes here. He changes his tune for a second. He goes on with a great judgment of a wrath of what he thinks of individuals that promote the workings of sin, that work iniquity, that work abomination, that work evil. But then he says something else in verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. That it's impossible, but that it's going to happen. It's impossible for it to not have. This is going to happen. This stuff is going to come. All of the all of the sin and abomination that you could ever imagine and more is going to come, and you can't stop it. It's a it's a it's a burning freight train, billowing the fires of hell. It's come charging at you. You can't stop it. You can't derail it. It can't it can't be stopped. It's going to barrel right through. But take heed to yourselves, like Lot. Lot, that righteous Lot who vexed his righteous soul every day with their iniquity. What does that mean? He was there and he saw it every day. He heard it. He saw it. It was around him all the time. It vexed him. It, it, caused great turmoil and anguish in him. Seeing and hearing it going on and on all day, every day, it vexed him. But he didn't participate. But he did not participate. Lot did not participate. Noah did not participate. Take heed to yourselves. Don't participate. Don't defend it don't take part in it speak against it warn them help them to see they need to repent and believe the gospel take heed to yourselves and then he says something else here take heed to yourselves but also what do we see is also going to happen in the end of days what do we see is also going to happen the great falling away a great apathy A great disregard. A time will come they will no longer be able to abide sound doctrine. But they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they should be turned after fables. The so-called professed Christians are going to be participating, taking part in, and will be dancing with the pagans in the street. The so-called Christians will be dancing with the heathen. They'll be living like the heathen talking like the heathen dressing like the heathen what does jesus say about that what does jesus say verse verse three what does he say about those who are our brothers and sisters who do fall into that who do participate in that what does he say about them if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him (laughs) a liberal's most hated word a social justice warrior, a personal interpretation, so-called Christians, most hated word, rebuke. Jesus says, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Tell him off. You know what, what, what our biggest problem today is? You know what one of our biggest problems today is? People are too afraid to speak up. You know, I noticed this. I noticed this a while back. Even driving around. Mm. I do have to clarify. Here in Canada. More in the rural areas. Now I'm kind of ruining my point. Is that what I've noticed. Is that people here. Are. Very hesitant. To honk their horns. When they're driving. Here in Canada. Um. People are very non-confrontational. Non-confrontational. I don't know what it's like so much everywhere else. I do know in some places where everyone's confrontational about everything, uh, especially down in the States. (laughs) I couldn't imagine that. I'm just saying. I couldn't imagine that. But the point is, is that we could be confrontational about other things. When when a Republican meets a Democrat, or oh, they get confrontational. <laughs> when a person of one sports team, a fan of one sports team meets another, they get confrontational. They get confrontational about everything else. But when it comes to sin, when it comes to the word of God, we clam up. We bite our tongues. Oh, I don't say a word. We let the heathens dance on. Don't disturb the devils. Don't disturb the devils. Don't disturb the heathen. Don't disturb the pagans. Let them dance. Let them blaspheme. Let them curse. Let them defile our children let them indoctrinate our minds let them curse christ let them blaspheme god let them lock the church buildings let them handcuff our hands and stop us from handing out gospel tracts. let them close our mouths from speaking of jesus let them celebrate sin to the nth degree let the heathen rage Let the people imagine a vain thing. Let the kings of the earth gather themselves together and against the Lord's anointed and say, let us cast off their bands asunder from us. Let them, let them. We don't rebuke sin. And especially the most important part of this, the most important point that that this is meant for is we don't rebuke the churches. We don't rebuke those sitting in the pews we don't rebuke the preachers that if a preacher isn't calling out the wolves that's because he's one of the pack that's because he's one of the pack we don't rebuke sin we don't call out iniquity because people people have become so indoctrinated with that if you rebuke that means you're a pharisee if you rebuke that means you're a legalist if you rebuke that means you're a holier than thou that somehow rebuking sin means you're a hypocrite since when since when only the modern, liberal, personal interpretation, social justice warrior, lip-wristed, soy boy type Christians would say that. Those who want to water down sin, air-condition hell, smooth out the rough edges of the cross, staunch the flow of the blood of Christ, reduce the sovereignty of Christ, would ever say things like that those who want to open up the word of god to mean anything that it can mean whatever you want that that you can have the god of your own imagination that righteousness is whatever you feel the doctrine is open to your feelings your opinions that that theology is what whatever you experience to the to the point that we now have so-called christian witches yes that's a thing that's a thing christian occultism christian witchcraft i don't know about you i used to practice witchcraft before i got saved i was an actual practicing occultist and witch what I was and it's what I did for 16 years. I practiced occultic mysticism, occultic practices and witchcraft and wizardry for 16 years, serving the devils, conjuring spirits and all the rest of it. And now... There are so-called Christians identifying as, as that abomination that I used to be, now dragging that sin and iniquity and abomination of hell, dragging it into churches and labeling it Christian. And we wonder why God is judging our nations. Offenses will come. And nobody's rebuking them. Hardly anybody's rebuking them. Oh, you might find the odd individuals speaking up about it, but even even those who are rebuking it are doing so in not a proper biblical manner that they are abusing rebuke. But they're not doing it biblically. They're just railing and railing and railing and not really pointing out the reason and the purpose and telling the people then what to do who are doing it. They're not preaching the gospel in the same breath. They're not calling the people to biblical repentance in the same breath as the rebuke. A rebuke is not just telling them off, telling them how they're wrong, but, but showing them how they're wrong and what they need to do like jonah if you don't repent and turn to the lord and repent of your ways you're going to be judged all have sinned all have fallen away all have become corrupt there's none that doeth good no not one but our lord so loved us he made a way for you to be saved redeemed from your sin that it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter what you've done that there's not one single sin in this world that cannot be Forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only the sin until death, which is the rejection of the Lord to the point that you die and then you go to hell because you can never receive forgiveness. That's that's searing your conscience against the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. That's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost that condemns you to hell. Where you blaspheme against it, fight against it, harden your heart against the Holy Spirit unto the point of your death. Rebuke him. But if he repent, forgive him. Look what Jesus says. The grace of God. Even in, this, even in the breath of his judgment and wrath. In the breath, the same breath of the judgment and wrath of Christ. We see grace. We see grace. The While he's, he's uh, speaking of his judgment upon these children of disobedience. He says, however, if they repent, forgive him. It doesn't matter how debaucherous they were. It doesn't matter how evil they were. It doesn't matter what they've done. If they repent, forgive them. Whether they're breathing out threatenings and slaughter and destroying the church and killing Christians, they repent and believe, forgive them. Look at Saul of Tarsus that became Paul. There are many people of different forms of darkness and abomination and accursed behavior. Many people of different sins and heathenry that have gotten born again saved. The Lord forgives them. So should we. That if someone is committing offenses unto God and is and is slandering the saints and is and is bringing the judgment of the Lord upon because of their rebellion and disobedience if they repent of this forgive them. You see this is the big problem that I have with turn or burn evangelism. I hate it so much. I hate turn or burn evangelism. Now, what is Turner-Burn evangelism? You see it. You see it. On, on YouTube and Instagram, other places, where they're going out and they have their placards covered in flames and stuff, talking about the hate of God, and God hates this, and you're all going to hell. And they're just spewing just anger and hate and wrath and judgment. And there's no forgiveness or grace in their speech. It's just all anger, wrath, and hate. That's not evangelism of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is not biblical evangelism. There is a time for hellfire brimstone preaching, but hellfire brimstone is mingled with grace. That God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants them to repent. Repent that there is a wrath that is coming what about this day of wrath but if you repent you'll be forgiven and saved from the wrath where is grace where's grace today you see we talk about sin and accursedness. we talk about heathenry and paganism filling our societies but at, the, but at the same time, we see something else that while we're pointing the finger at the heathen, we're pointing the finger at the abominations, we need to point the finger at the churches. Where's the evangelists? Where are the holy men and women of God? Where are the preachers? Where is the missionaries? Where is the evangelists? Where is the teachers? Where is the prayer warriors? Where's the grace? Where's the mercy? Where's the forgiveness? Where is Christ likeness? where is it we see christians spewing hatred christians speaking evil christians calling curses but we don't see christians who are christ-like in all their behavior we don't see christians praying for the heathen we don't see christians praying for the governments we don't see christians praying for our societies we don't see christians speaking of grace and mercy and, and sowing in tears this brings judgment Because Christ's likeness is not promoted, our candlestick is removed. There's no blessing of God. And this is why church is shut down. Because the power of God ceases to exist, the blessing of God ceases to exist, the fear of God ceases to exist. So the church is shut down. And the Christians go off to their homes and no longer care. And they don't miss church. You know what happens when you keep missing church? You stop missing church. I saw that in a post today. So apropos. So on the nose. You know what happens when you, when you, when you keep missing church? You stop missing church. Oh, well, the church the, the church is the believers. That we can have church. Anyway. That's just excuses made by people who, who, who try to fault find every congregation. It's the same saying you don't like to go to the gym because of all the out of shape people. Perfect people don't go to church. Corrupted people go to church to learn of the perfection of Christ. We need to rebuke the saints. We need to rebuke the believers. We need to rebuke the brethren. The great falling away, the great apathy that has descended upon the nations is not just apathy of sin. It's apathy of the word of God. It's apathy of the fire of God. It's the apathy of the fear of God. Where's the fear of God? You know what happens when you fear the Lord out of a pure heart fervently? You know what happens when you fear the Lord? You hate sin. Thou has loved righteousness and hated iniquity. But what do we see the vast majority of Christians doing? Making jokes of sin. Making jokes of sin. Joking about sin. Talking lightheartedly about sin. Laughing at the dirty jokes. Entertaining themselves with accursedness and abomination immorality of all kinds, lying and blasphemy and vulgarities filling the screens and filling our minds in song and song and movie and show and game and playing witchcraft and abomination in the games and letting our children watch all kinds of defilement on the screen and learn about defilements in the schools and we wonder why they turn into pagans well, as the great preacher Volney Bakum says, what would you think was going to happen when you keep sending your children to learn at the feet of Caesar? Did you not expect them to come home as Romans? Rebuke them. And if you repent, forgive them. The judgment is mingled with grace. the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom the fear of the lord is to hate evil sin and iniquity the fear of the lord the fear of the lord is the candle that lights the church where there's no fear of lord you're worshipping in darkness and you don't know what you're worshipping The fear of the Lord lights our path and lights our minds. The fear of the Lord is what opens up the Word of God to us. Because if we have no fear of the Lord, we're not going to understand what we're reading. We're not going to understand what we're singing. We're not going to understand what we're hearing. We're not going to understand what Christianity really is. Where is the fear of the Lord? The Lord of Scripture, not the Lord of our minds. Of Romans 1, 18 and 25 of fashioning a god of our own imagination, it's not about us. It's, we need to get over ourselves. We've become so self-indulged and self-centered, self-conceited, self-righteous that, that we're full of our luxuries and vanities in our everyday that we no longer have the fear of the Lord. the Lord is not in all our thoughts. and that was one of the main condemnations on the world in the days of Noah. But the Lord was not in all their thoughts. Christ mindfulness is becoming a rarity. We're so quick to point out the sins of others that we don't judge ourselves. But the true servant of the Lord that fears the Lord is hard on himself and easy on others. That's the grace of Christ, the almighty sovereign Lord God, full of righteousness and holiness of the nth degree to the infinite, almighty sovereign Lord God, creator of the universe, came down in the flesh and sat down with sinners and he taught them in grace. He didn't sit down beside them and wring their necks and shake shake the dust out of their ears and scream at them how they, they're going to hell. He sat down with them and taught them in grace. He didn't water it down. He didn't compromise it. He didn't participate in it. He told them in such a way that they wanted to hear it, but he told them nonetheless, and he didn't shun to tell them. But what do we do? We're ashamed. We're ashamed of the gospel. We're ashamed to speak up about sin. Then when we hear people blaspheme Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we don't even cringe. We hardly bat an eye. Though people lie and, 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 and with the vulgarities and everything else and the evil behavior and paganism and heathenry, even coming into the churches, we don't even bat an eye. Or we might grumble behind their backs, but never speak up about it. We don't tell off the goats. We don't, we don't kick out the rats. We don't chase away the wolves. We let all forms of sin come into the buildings and we wonder why the buildings shut down because the goats take over. The goats, the wolves, and the rats are the ones that chain the buildings. They're the ones that silence the saints. They're the ones that, that stop the hands of evangelism. They're the ones that start stripping off the armor of God the goats wolves and rats are to blame but not as much as the saints that let them the saints that let them because the saints refuse to speak up goats will speak more than sheep wolves that will speak more than sheep and so do rats Every once in a while, you get a sheep that'll start braying. You get a sheep that starts speaking up, and all the other sheep tell them to shut up and be silent. And we start we start fault finding and blame finding the sheep that speak up. This is the offenses that will come, and they have come, and they've more than come these offenses have come and have taken refuge in and are and are now staying and living in our homes on our bookshelves in our minds in our speech in our televisions that they're living in our living rooms and they're preaching from our pulpits we wonder what has happened we wonder why the governments are so bad we wonder why sin is so prevalent And we wonder where is god i'll tell you where he is he's in the armory right now and he's wetting his sword the lord is grinding his teeth and he's braiding his whip this is where the lord is you want to know where the lord is I'm telling you, you're on borrowed time at any moment now. He's going to turn around with his braided whip, with his sharp sword, and he's going to start swinging, and tables are going to fly. You need to repent. You need to get yourself right with the Lord, and you need to start speaking up. You need to take the faith seriously. You need to start taking the faith seriously. And it starts in your home. It starts in your life. It starts in your family. Stop looking at others. Take heed to yourselves. And start looking at your own life. Get your life right with the Lord. Get your children right with the Lord. Get your family right with the Lord. Get your house in order. Get your spiritual life in order. Start taking the faith seriously. Or I'm telling you, that whip is going to come down on your head. The Lord turns his attention to the churches first in Revelations. Look, look at what he does. Open the book of Revelations. Who are the first individuals that the wrath of God points his finger at? He starts blaming the churches. He starts blaming the saints, and none of us are going to escape that. We all have to give an account, and he'll start knocking out the candlesticks, and that whip will start flying. What kind of parent doesn't discipline his children when the children are rebellious and disobedient? The hand of God will come down on us. Because we are to blame. We've dropped the torch. We've lost the fervency. We don't speak up. We're ashamed. We've compromised. We've contradicted. We've not done our jobs. And the Lord is going to call us out for it. And there's nothing that we can say. There's no excuse. No loophole. There's no escape. We're going to be told off. And there's nothing you can do about it. You say, we say, well, well, we repent. We repent. Lord, Lord, why are you punishing me? There are consequences for behavior. Though the child caught doing the wrong apologizes, they're still disciplined. But praise the Lord of the grace of God. The discipline does not mean rejection of salvation. It doesn't mean disownment. It doesn't mean we're cast away from the family of God. But we are going to receive discipline. You know what part of that discipline is? You know what that, what that discipline is? And this is the point I want to make here. You know what the discipline upon the churches are? Uh, that for our rejection and our apathy Having to live in the bed that we made of our compromise of sin. Having to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. You made your bed, now sleep in it. We have to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. We let it happen. We let it happen. It was a slow leak. It took time. But it was a slow leak, and we're here, and now we gotta live in it. Now we have to watch our children become pagans we have to watch our children become heathens we have to watch our churches get chained up and there's nothing we can do you can rail and scream and riot on the streets all you want it's not going to stop it you can't stop this these offenses will come and they have come and you can't stop it now you gotta watch the parades you gotta listen to to what's going on in the schools you have to see what's happening in the governments you have to see and watch and listen and it's all around you you can't stop it by plugging your ears you can't stop it by closing your eyes it's going to fill the tv screens it's going to fill the minds it's going to fill the churches it's going to fill society and there's nothing you can do about it that's our punishment and the lord says see what you've done You see what you've done. You see what happens when you don't take me seriously. You see what happens when you reject my word. You see what happens when you don't speak up. You see what happens when you don't rebuke sin. You see what happens when the righteousness of God is rejected. Where the laws of God are replaced. You see what happens when wrong judgment doth proceed. You see what happens. You see what you've done, the parent says to the child. Do you see what you've done? And our parent, our father, points his finger at us, his his children, and he says, you see what you've done. Do you see what you've done? And you don't look down the road, you don't plan ahead, and you don't think about consequences, and you don't take the faith seriously. You see what you've done. The state of the world is our fault. The state of the churches is our fault. The state of our children is our fault. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Paganism and heathenry in the churches is our fault. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's a little late to scream to scream and rebuke now, isn't it? It's a little late, too little too late. But we see it. We see it happening. We see it around us. Well what can we do then? What can we do? Noah still preached. Lot still preached. Daniel still preached in Babylon. Israel rejected the Lord, and the and the wrath and the judgment of God came down on them as the Babylonians destroyed Israel, took them all away the into captivity. Daniel still preached. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego still stood and still preached. The prophets still preached, still warned, though the judgment had already come. There's nothing you could do about. It. You can't stop the judgment of God. But you can preach through it. You can still do what's right. Take heed to yourselves. Still do what's right. No one else wants to stand with you. Stand alone. Stand alone. Get yourself right with the Lord. When no one else will. If no one else will do the work. You do it. If no one else will stand. You stand. No one else will evangelize. You evangelize. No one else will rebuke sin. Then you rebuke sin. The remnant of the remnant. We see the remnant of God, the saints. Many of them are not disciples. Many of them are apathetic and don't really care. But they are saved, as the scripture says, by the skin of their teeth. They are saved. But then there's the remnant of the remnant. That's those that take the faith seriously. And those are very few. Like when Elijah went to meet the Lord and... The Lord says, what are you talking about? There are 7,000 others that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Out of all Israel, the millions and millions of people of Israel, only 7,000 out of millions. Now, I'm not much of a math expert but that is a really low percentage let's say 1 million let's let's hypothetically say 1 million people out of 1 million people only 7000 that's a very low percentage that's a rarity that that in, in which it would be a couple million like there'd be more than that there'd be quite a few million people in israel That out of 7,000 people, you could actually go for a very long time before even bumping elbows with another saint. uh, Those 7,000 people, they could go for a very long time without even meeting each other. It's that rare. And the scriptures say, when the Lord comes again, when the Lord comes again, will he even find faith in the earth? The Lord goes looking for us. Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? Did, did, did the Lord not know where Adam was? No, he knew where Adam was. Then why was he calling? He was calling because he wanted Adam to confess and fess up. He wanted Adam to stop being ashamed and actually go and confess and get himself right. God calls. Saint, where art thou? Saint, where art thou? Put your name in there. Put your name in there. The Lord calls you. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you in the fear of the Lord? Where are you in this society? Are you hiding? We're called to be street preachers, not building hiders. Where are you? Where is your fear of the Lord? Where is your rebuke? Where is your righteousness being shown? Where is your evangelism? Where is your love of Christ? Where is your hate of sin? Where is your fervency? Where is your zealousness? Where is your fear of God? Where is it? Take heed to yourselves. Rebuke sin. Forgive those that repent. Call people to repentance. Call them to the fear of the Lord. Call them to biblical Christianity, Christ-likeness. And he goes on, we'll end on verse 4 here. He goes on to something else here. Yes, you may rebuke individuals, they may repent, and you forgive them, but they wind up going back. You know, sheep are pretty stupid sometimes (laughs) i don't know if you've seen videos of it sheep are pretty stupid the lord picked a really good animal for us sheep are pretty dumb and that i saw one video uh, you may have seen it it shows a sheep got stuck in a a little crevice rut thing and the and the farmer comes over and they're working and dig and they finally pull that sheep out and they sit on the ground and it goes bounding off and falls right into another one <laughs> falls right into another uh, little crevice thing And i have to go pull it out of that one you know that's us we we are rebuked we're told off we repent we're forgiven we do it again And Verse 4, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. You know, Jesus is repeating what he said in Matthew 18 about when Peter asked, How many times should I forgive my brother? You know, seven times? Jesus says, No, seventy times seven. And the point is, is that if they were repenting, Truly, if they're truly repentant, forgive them. It doesn't matter how many times they've done it. Just like the Lord does. That no matter how many times we sin, we come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I was stupid. Please forgive me. He forgives you. He's faithful to forgive. And just as the Lord is faithful to forgive you, you forgive them. But what did Jesus say about forgiveness? You know, we can rail on sin about this, but we also need to speak about forgiveness. But what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14? For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What is Jesus saying? If you're unforgiving to other people, the Lord is going to be unforgiving to you. For what manner of judgment ye meet shall be meted to you again. Now we can get really angry about the state of the world. We can get really, really, really angry, worked up, righteous anger at all of the abominations surrounding us. But we must remember a couple things, and I'll end it with this. We must remember a couple things. It's fulfillment of prophecy. It's fulfillment of prophecy. We were told this is going to happen just like this. We were told it would be as Sodom and Gomorrah. We were told it would be the sin of Egypt. As in the days of Noah. And it is. We were told there'd be a great falling away. What did you think the great falling away would look like? We were told the love of many shall wax cold. We were told there'd be pestilences and plagues and famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and corrupted government and judgment. And it's fulfilled. We were told that sound doctrine would be rejected and that the churches would become apathetic and they'd be turned after fables. And it's fulfilled. We were told there'd be the the rejection of God and that God would not be in all their thoughts. And that is fulfilled. It's It's fulfillment of prophecy. And we must remember one other thing. It's our fault. There's no one to blame but us. And finally, remember one more thing, one final thing. When you judge, when you call out sin, when you rebuke, when you stand for the Lord, do so. As a servant of Jesus Christ and not of the harbinger of death. Don't do so in hateful wrath. For it's the wrath of God, not your wrath. We are here to warn the people and call them to repentance in tears. We are here to show the grace of Jesus Christ. We are not the wrath of God. We are not the judgment of God. You are not the sword of God. You're supposed to be a demonstrator of his grace. We are supposed to be those who sow in tears that we may reap in joy. We're the watchman on the wall, that cries unto the people in tears. Would you please move? You're going to be destroyed. Please move. And if they don't, that's their fault. But you've warned them. We're supposed to reach into the fire and pull them out as Jude says, not push them deeper into the flames. We're supposed to pray for the wicked, not curse them. We're supposed to teach the sinners, not hate them. Remember grace. Remember forgiveness. Let your anger be tempered with grace. Offenses have come And it can be very upsetting. Which is a massive uh, understatement. But we can't let our anger cause us to forget to show them grace. Because imagine Almighty Sovereign Lord God sitting at the same table with blasphemers and drunkards and harlots and liars and all the rest of them. If Almighty Sovereign Lord God can hold His tongue and show grace and not wrath to the sinners, then so can we. We're supposed to be examples of Christ's likeness. Let your speech be salted with grace, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Just something to think about. So with that, we'll wrap that up there. I hope that uh, this gives you some insight and understanding. I hope that this is a bit of a call to arms for you. So please take this to heart. Share this around. Rewatch this. Help others to see this is what it's supposed to be. You know, people say, oh, you're not supposed to judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Just love, 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 love. You know, Jesus wasn't a hippie, right? Jesus wasn't a soft-spoken, limp-wristed, the soy boy hippie type. He had calloused hands and sunburnt, and he spoke up and he told off, yeah, well, Jesus is God, and he can do what he wants. And so did all the prophets. They could Elijah with the prophets of Baal. You look at uh, Paul with Alimus the sorcerer. You look at uh, Peter with the Sanhedrin. They got John the Baptist with, with the hypocrites. You look at all the servants of the Lord just to call out sin and tell them off for it, as well as pointing them to how to be saved. So remember that. Yes, we rebuke sin. So as to call out sin. Tempered with grace. Don't ever forget. Tempered with grace. Let your speech be salted with grace. And guard your testimony. Guard your testimony with everything you've got. Guard your testimony. We could be like, like Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Lot. And remember Lot's wife. With that, God bless you. Give this some thought. Hope to see you again. And as always, folks, God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love His Holy Word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.